0: Welcome to Here's What I'm Seeing, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. I am your host, Adam Tarno, and I am joined today by my co-host, Jeff Streza and Cynthia Culver. We are here in studio in Dallas. The sun is out. It's a little cool outside. Fall is
1: here. How are you guys doing today? Oh, it's nice. I've got my... I've got my vest on today. I'm a vest guy, and I told that
0: to my wife the other day. I was like, "It is. uh, It's getting to businessman vest weather."
2: Oh yeah, because
0: they're all wearing their vests now. It is,
2: but what happens when you put on your vest and then it winds up being 92 degrees?
0: That does happen in Texas. It does all the time, and you and you can't tie it around your waist because there's no arms. Right, <laughs> I look like a fool. Yeah. That sounds like a business idea, right there. You that, yeah, I can see you that. could tuck
2: it into the back of your pants, and then you know, just kind of have it like a little, you know, it would be bad flag football.
0: Not good, not good. All right, Cynthia. So you, uh, before we hit record here, you were saying. I'm seeing something, so why don't you set up our topic today and what we're going to talk about? What are you seeing out there right now?
2: Well, I think uh, for me, I I'm seeing the opportunity for um, the opportunity to build common ground because of the division that's out there. Yeah, and you know, I talk to so many people, and everybody has an opinion about what's going on really yeah you know
0: jeff are you seeing this
1: i'm seeing that as well yes interesting Um, i would i would say division polarities very similar you know, kind of a perspective there. Polarities, yeah. you know, people just are getting polarized by what's going on.
2: Well, and they're all I don't want to say they're neutral things, but the mask, for example, it's like it, it how is that causing so much anger? And I mean, you've seen the YouTube videos, right? Of yeah. people like fr- flipping out and Trader Joe's and and it's like, how is this little this thing causing so much division? And and it's really for me, I'm I'm just thinking like, wow, how how can I just try to understand? What's going on with people? You know, I love people. I love to understand what makes them tick. And so, so yeah,
0: yeah. And is this something that you were noticing uh, before COVID, or do you think this has just been accentuated because of COVID?
2: I think it's it's been accentuated. I think I think that's the thing that that has really kind of blown me away is COVID has shown me how much opportunity there is. And, and, you know, how we have to respond to that and, and what what you, you know, what you feel like um, is the right thing for you. What do I do to step—how do I step into that in a way that isn't just so divisive? Because you, you find yourself people that you love and you're sitting next to and you feel you're on totally the opposite end, the polar opposite end yeah. of— of the spectrum from what and you're like how can they think that yeah. you know and so the, the more and and I have friends that are so different from me and the more I understand them the more I'm like we think so differently it's crazy yeah. but then when you get in their head you realize oh there's a reason why they think that there's yeah. a reason why they're so passionate about that
0: yeah so, I had a conversation uh, just I think it was on Monday uh, a couple of days ago when from when we were recording right now and a guy he used a great analogy about what's going on with COVID right now and what he's seeing out in the life of the leader and he just basically said it, it's like the pandemic, the waters receded, from an iceberg and you just saw a bunch of stuff that was all—it was always there, mm, yeah. but, but the pandemic has made it all very, uh, we're all aware of it now. And right. I thought that was a good analogy. It's not that pandemic came and then all of a sudden we all had new issues. Right. It was, uh, <laughs> and we all found new ways to be divisive or, um, and that's not, that, that even uh, seems to insinuate some intent there to say, now I'm gonna be divisive. We, ne- we now all see where we're so different right. uh, all the time now. And I thought that was a really great way to say that. This is huge in the life of a leader because so much of what leaders are doing right now is trying to bring about some unity when there is a tremendous amount of polarity. Right, and and it's a big deal.
1: Yeah. Speaking of you know the the whole concept of polarity, what I'm seeing is um, on the one hand the isolation and the virtual world has accentuated insecurity, and that's you know fear and and big opinions or. You know, it's it's brought that out, and yeah. it's also brought out um, some heroic moments mm. of idealism and hope and generosity, and you know, I think that's I think that's where we can speak into the life and the mind of a leader to say, you know, which which one are you going to do? Yeah, are you going to you going to shrink back into scarcity and and rely on uh, public opinion or your own? You know emotions that are temporal, or are you going to dig deep into your value set and have courage and lean into your fear?
0: That's right. Okay, so that's uh, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how you can navigate polarities. Again, this is relevant, I think, to every leader that's out there, really relevant to every human yes. uh, right now around the world, especially here Uh, In the United States. So how can you navigate these polarities? We've just got uh, just three things that we've seen in our own life that have worked and in the life of other leaders that we're going to talk about. And so we're going to talk about the importance of listening, the importance of disarming and the importance of building common ground. So let's start with this first principle of if you want to start to navigate polarities, you don't start with espousing your own opinion, Mm -hmm. right? You got to start with listening. And Cynthia, you had a great question that you have started to ask yourself as you're uh, talking to people that are so different than you. Where you're you're really just asking the first question. I wonder where this person's coming from. So how did yes. you how did you get to that question?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it was in just what I said earlier, seeing people and seeing people be like you said, Jeff, having big opinions about things. I'm like, gosh, this is so like we're we're, we're almost fighting quickly, yeah. and so. I don't know. I think just one day it hit me and I and I, I thought, you know, how can I just remain neutral? Mm. And, and maybe my job isn't to throw out my big opinion because guess what? That's one of millions of opinions. Maybe my job is to... Um, Bring maybe even reconciliation, maybe hmm. not reconciliation, but bringing uh, bringing people together. Meaning, just seeking to understand someone's story. Yeah, and and the, you know that's the Stephen Covey seek first to understand. Yeah, right. And and it is. It's like just trying to understand their story, so so that yeah, that's where where I was coming. Yeah, from. and
0: that's where it all starts. I I uh, would you agree or disagree with this, Jeff? Everybody's reasonable.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you know, I at the core. Um, I believe everyone can move towards reason and using their thinking mind. Yeah. Um, It's the emotion and it's the hijack of the emotions that that takes even the most brilliant person off their game. Right. Um, And so I know we're going to get into that a little bit. But, you know, building upon what Cynthia said a moment ago and listening first, our tendency, whether whether we're angry or excited or have a great idea, is to talk first. Hmm. It's to share our perspective first. And many times people have good intent. Um, however, we can get into that, again, back to the Covey material, that autobiographical response, where we're, you know, my framework, my, oh, yeah, that happened to me. And all of a sudden we go off on a trail at him, and I'm telling you about what happened to my, my situation over the weekend. Right. And, you know... In a low-trust relationship, that's going to shut you down. In a high-trust relationship, we can go back and forth and interrupt each other and just build on it. In this time right now, trust is tenuous Mm. with all this ambiguity, and so leaders need to be mindful of their trust barometer and not just take it at face value just because you're talking to somebody that that is going to build trust. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's this natural tendency, what I'm hearing you say, there's this natural tendency to want to start... Talking about your perspective on something, and especially leaders, and especially leaders in organizations where if you sit in a room and you're the top of the chain, right, you're the highest paid, or you're at the top of the, uh, the org chart, it can be really easy to go, uh, they all need my opinion so that they can go right. and act out on this. And I think what I'm hearing you say is in this time of polarity, you really need to fight that temptation to want to start talking first and go, no, I need to start listening right now. I need to start asking questions. I
1: think it's one of the most common thing. From I know all of us do coaching um, with leaders and executives, and I think it's one of the most common things that we navigate is to help them with their communication styles, their emotional intelligence, their demeanor, and their lack of listening. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think, too, when you talk to people— it's people think they're relating to you when they go into their own framework. That's really they, good. They really do. And, and it's so funny. When you start to notice this, it can almost make you crazy because you start to tell someone something. And as soon as you do it, they start making it about them. Oh, yeah. And when I, this happened to me. And by the way, I'm the chief offender, so I'm not throwing stones. Right. But, but instead of, oh, wow, engaging with you about you. Oh wow, I hear you. It sounds like you know the fact that you nearly had a wreck on the way to work this morning. That was really stressful. Like, what happened? And and instead of, oh yeah, for me, I was driving yesterday, and this, and I nearly got run off the road. And now you've taken you've taken things off of them and you put them on yourself. And so the ability to stay, and this is kind of coaching one on one to stay with the person Mm. on the person. That's good. And and but but what I think, and this is where you have to remember, people aren't doing it intentionally. It's just that they don't. Know how to do that deep listening, and they don't know how to engage, and and they t- they they really do think, oh, if I tell them this, then they'll think I can relate to them yeah. and they'll feel good. And the reality is, is that no, 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 you're missing that. You're missing the opportunity to go in their story with them. That's right.
0: really good. That's that's helpful to know that most of the time or often when people do start talking about themselves, it's not that they just want to be the center of the tension. Right. It is It is the, the intent is I'm going to try to connect. Oh, I have something too like that. You're yes. not alone. That's really, really helpful. I, you know, I'll answer my own question. Do I think people are reasonable? And my answer is always yes. And I, and I do it this way. And here's what I mean by that is people always do something for a reason. And I, and I've, I take that position that uh, what's really helped me in my leadership is when I see somebody who you know, I have expectations they're going to behave one way, they behave another, there's a gap. If I can insert trust and go, they're behaving this way for a reason, it's my job to go figure it out. Now, sometimes that's that's where it then gets into the emotional brain. A lot of times we don't know why we do what we do, and so (laughs) it can be very, very difficult to try to explain, like, hey, uh, you just made that decision. Why did you send that email to that person? Can you help me understand that? And they're just sitting there going, well, I I don't know. I mean, but there is a reason there. They did it for a reason, and that... That to me is helpful to, to start listening to go back to Cynthia's question. I wonder where they're coming from. I know they did this for a reason, and the mm-hmm. reason wasn't to make me mad, and the reason wasn't, the reason wasn't to make my opinion feel small mm-hmm. or to make me feel like my views on masks or uh, right. this social justice movement is wrong or I've got the wrong perspective or I'm voting for the wrong person. They're not trying to make me feel bad. Uh, so, what is the reason, and that that helps me get into that listening right. mindset?
2: Well, you just said something that really I may take away and, and journal about later. Is like I have to. <laughs> oh, sorry. To, <laughs> no, it, but I have to insert trust. Yeah. And think. I mean, we've all worked with people long enough to know that there are a lot of there's a lot of trust that's been broken.
0: Absolutely. For
2: people in relationships. Yeah. So then it's
0: easier to insert suspicion. Yes.
1: Um. And and that. That's a big Rarely thing. Rarely goes well. Yeah. No, I, I think that's where a lot of leaders miss the mark is they don't see trust as the currency to creating efficiencies and effectiveness in their organization. That's right. It's, it's sort of a nice thing to have, or wouldn't it be great if, um, and they become too bottom line focused. That's just a short cycle. Yep. You know, trust is what's going to endure, and that's what's going to create engagement with employees. You know, also one of the things I'm seeing, Adam, is when leaders lead with humility, and follow with courage. They their their style and their tone is about listening and um, self-deprecating humor, other sorts of ways in which you're making someone else feel comfortable and important. Then when that that is established, then you raise your courage. Yep. Then you you speak your truth, you get focused on outcomes or other kinds of business initiatives. And I've just seen that formula work time and time again with really excellent leaders. Yeah, that's right.
0: So if you're a leader right now and you're facing some polarities in your life, maybe it's in your office or on your leadership team or in a uh, you know a civic organization that you're a part of, a church or something like that, even within your own family right now with Thanksgiving coming right. up, there's going to be a lot of polarity around some dinner tables um, and not just talking about football. I mean, this is this is going to be all the topics. Cranberry sauce or no cranberry That's sauce? That's right. And I've got strong opinions on that. I know so, you do. Anyway, so it it's going to start with listening. And leader, you have to go first on this, right? You can't be like, "Well, I'd listen if they listen." No, you've got to go first on this. And and just remember that uh, everybody is coming from a perspective, and and get curious about that. Yes. And sit there and go, "I wonder what their perspective is," because it's. They have reasons. Why for are they their... so passionate about right. this? Yeah, and they believe it very deeply. So the more you ask questions, that is going to help to bridge this divide. It's going to show that you're more interested in them as a person than your view, right? And um, and so that's going to be the first way to, to do this. Now, when you ask questions—now we'll get into our sep- second uh, principle here—when you ask questions— one of the things that that's also going to do is hopefully disarm somebody, you know, and that's going to be a part to, to navigating polarity. So when uh, Jeff, when you first mentioned disarming people, I, I really have never thought about that word. Well, first of all, I think about the great uh, Smashing Pumpkin song from Siamese Dream called Disarm. Thank you very much, uh, Gen X. Classic. But very much a classic. So I think about that. But as I think <laughs> about that word right now when it comes to navigating polarities, that sounds a little aggressive, you know, it kind of sounds like you know, police or militant or military, you know, I'm going to go in and disarm this person, meaning they have a gun and I'm going to take it away from them, or they have a knife and I'm going to take it away from them. That's not what we mean here. This is not to be a uh, a forceful disarming. This is of a peaceful not. disarming. But talk mm-hmm. about
1: disarming for a little bit. No, but I like the imagery of that, because um, when I coach leaders who are navigating conflict or tension, Step one is really helping them understand the fundamentals of emotional intelligence, and that begins with self-awareness. You know, is my tone or my nonverbals or my title, uh, you know, unintentionally creating intimidation or um, a a breakdown in in collaboration? So leaders must disarm; they must be able to read the nonverbals, the tone, the room, and and approach with humility. That doesn't mean touchy feely. It just means starting with questions and listening and being attentive to people, reflecting emotions when that's appropriate. Hey, you seem really you seem really concerned about that. Help me understand more about what's going on. Yeah, those f- simple fundamental types of behaviors, when they're done authentically, can begin to diminish some of the tension that is there. Um, and uh, that that's what I mean by disarm. That's good, Cynthia. What are some of your go-to
0: disarming? Uh, tactics? That, that, again, makes it sound like it's uh, manipulative, but and I don't mean it that way. But what are some ways that you seek to, to disarm, especially when you're dealing with somebody that is uh, different than you?
2: Well, I, I think the key word that Jeff said that stuck with me, and I think is really true, is humility. Yeah. And in order to have humility, I mean, that's hard to, to think of someone as more important than yourself, or to think of someone as different um, and as important, it, that's the first the first thing. And, and one of the things that I do, um, and I do this a lot of times if I'm, I'm nervous about something and I'm, I start getting performance oriented and, you know, I got to I gotta win, I got to show I'm smart, whatever. I, I shift over and I have this little mantra that I say is, your job right now is to see how you can love and serve this person. Mm. And, and really, that does help me shift over out of myself into focus on, like we were talking about a minute ago, just focusing on the person. Yeah. Focus on them as a human being and how can I... Uh, love and serve them. How can I? How can I hmm. add value to their life? Um, and it just for, for me personally, that does help me sort of shift over out of myself. Yeah. Because I, you know, that's kind of my our bent. Or yeah. My yeah. bent is yeah. to to be self first. So. And I
1: th- I think the the business translation of that if if they're if you're listening out there and you're thinking oh, I don't want love my employees, <laughs> compassion. Yeah. Right. I mean I, I know what you mean and and that's my that's my value set. I really do feel. Feel sort of a sense of compassion and care for others when i'm trying to help them and and um, is that coming through yeah
0: yeah and that'll disarm somebody that, that whole thing and, and jeff you and i have talked about this before at different times about how the human brain is kind of like a, a a mobile phone that's always searching for a signal and the human brain is always looking for intent what's mm. this person's intent that's what's right. their intent and that stuff comes in and not just the words you say maybe even more in the body language and the tone and so when you do start to ask questions and even the way you carry yourself i mean here's a great way to disarm somebody just smile yeah. when you're talking to them you know we've we've talked to those people that just seem mad all the time just a simple smile as cheesy and old-fashioned as that sounds that is a great way to disarm somebody and it just shows your intent is is positive with yes. all of this and that body language uh, can you know not going up with your with fists clenched or your arms crossed and right. um, any of that kind of stuff can be can be really helpful. My my favorite way to disarm is like I, I when I meet somebody I feel like a third grader many times with this where my kids they really connect with their friends or somebody they meet new the first time they can laugh together it's just like okay now we're in you right. know and. So in many ways, I've not outgrown my third grade self with that that I'm just looking for what's something we can laugh about. No, I right think now. that's, that's um, great. I think
1: self-deprecating humor is is a critical tool for yeah. a leader and, and also just storytelling making fun of yourself or sharing stories um, that reveal your values and, and your authentic self and that's I mean those are two easy things to do, right yes. there. You know, yes. you can do that over lunch or at the beginning of a meeting or at the beginning of a, even a difficult discussion. And I don't mean the old sandwich technique where you're like, no. be soft and make it and then give them the hard stuff and then be soft again. No, well, foo that, ya. that
2: also shows that you don't think more highly of, of yourself, meaning like if you're sharing it a self-deprecating a story about yourself. It allows others to see you as human. Yes. Because I, I do think that's a huge thing. I was thinking about the imposter syndrome, and and so often people are insecure where they're coming from in the workplace. They're like, oh my gosh, if people only knew, you know, I'm gonna. And so when a leader does that, and they they show like their own humanness, I think people feel connected to them. You know, and I do think that's disarming. It's
0: absolutely disarming. So yeah. So I think the. Uh, The body language, the smiling, finding some laughter, humility, all of those are great ways to disarm people. And even, you know, even you could go with some other communication techniques of disarming of just uh, telegraphing where you're going with a conversation, you know? So even if you were sitting around the dinner table or Thanksgiving's coming up and you can just go, hey guys, I'm not trying to argue right now. I really am just curious, who do you think is going to win the football game, you know, this afternoon or who, uh, you know... uh, what did you think of that uh, decision that was made in the Supreme Court recently? I'm just curious, and I don't want to fight. You know, I'm just so even even that is disarming to let people know I'm not going to butter you up right now, so I can just unleash fury on you and let you know how everything that you think about that Supreme Court decision is wrong. Uh, and you are a bad American, right?
2: Well, in your share, you just shared your intent. Yes, you know how you said, "Well, imposing trust or inserting trust is like you just shared." People don't have to wonder what your intent was. You just said, "Hey, I'm curious. I definitely don't want to to be divisive or or fight, but what you know? Yep. What do you think about?" And so you, you're putting on the table, and that is disarming, absolutely, because it's going into their mind. Oh, they're okay. They're not. You know, it, it inserts itself in maybe their normal way of operating or thinking.
0: That's right. Okay, so if you're a leader navigating polarities right now, start with listening, not with talking about yourself. This is the time to really try to understand where people are coming from. Everybody has reasons for why they do what they do. So insert trust, uh, disarm, and that can happen through body language. That can happen through uh, smiling, uh, laughter, humility. That that's the great way to disarm people. And uh, and then the third principle here would be than to build some common ground with people. And so uh, again, before we hit record, we were talking about, we're gonna give credit to Dale Carnegie. I don't know if he's the one who came up with this. So if you're listening and you're the one who came up with this, please email us and we'll give you credit. But it is that whole whole 1% idea. Like everybody in the world has at least 1% of their life that they have in common with somebody else. And so your job in a conversation is to find that 1% and then spend 99% of your time talking about that 1%. I think it's this third principle re- really there is what they were saying, is to seek to build common ground with people. So how have you seen this
1: play out? Well, a couple of ways, I think. First of all, you got to do steps one and two, yep. because if there's a lack of common ground or even a perceived lack of common ground, then by listening and maybe disarming or putting someone at ease is going to help them feel understood. Um, and then the common ground is just practicing, help me understand your perspective. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it goes back to the principle of if you listen first, help me understand your perspective, and then I'd like to share mine. Sequence is everything. Yep. And right. when you convey that authentically, then they're going to feel like, okay, Adam, I'm going to give you your turn.
2: You don't have to fight for it.
1: You, you don't, don't have, have to, to insert fight for yourself. It. That's right. And if, and if tensions rise again, you go back to step one. That's great. And you just repeat.
0: Yeah. Cynthia, how have you uh, seen this play out in your life? Just building common ground with people.
2: Well, I think I keep going back to just kind of the most recent events in in our world is is really seeking to understand people's stories. Yeah, and like you said, not, not and and this is so hard to do, but not even trying to necessarily relate, but just to try to understand in a way that diffuses all judgments about mm-hmm. a person
0: that's right that's
2: and and to really understand them and to to really get into their story you know and, and i know in the corporate world that's there are corporations that are like yeah we want we want to have these relationships and that kind of thing but it, it's also even in those it is still people fight the idea of sharing about themselves oh did i share too much oh that was my boss should i have shared yeah. that and so i think that's a hard thing when you're in the corporate space to to encourage it's like you've got to, you've got to say no uh, relationships I, I was telling someone yesterday i was like relationships are why people stay at your company mm. That's that's it. Yeah, and that's so, a whole
0: nother episode right there. Yeah, okay. I mean, it that sure is. is really really good yeah. and convicting. Yeah, it, yeah, well
2: it is, and so it's like if you think uh, if you set up a culture where people don't feel like they can share or they've shared too much or you're the boss and there's this you know you do it visually doing my tie up you know it's like this stuffy if you're creating an atmosphere like that and you want to keep things uh, from I want to keep the personal side out. Um, People aren't going to feel close to you and and comfortable, and they're not going to want to stay. They're going to be lured away by all the things, money or power or prestige or title or whatever.
1: Yeah. Right. And common ground doesn't always mean, hey, we're going to build consensus and everybody gets to do what they want to do. Yeah. Common ground moving in that direction is making sure people feel heard Hmm. and valued. And then as you, you know, the metaphor of sort of coming down the funnel to make the decision, the objective, the the business decision that people feel heard and valued and, you know, an effective leader listens, pays attention to any tensions or frustrations, validates those things and say, Hey, look, we've heard from everybody. You know, we've, I think that this is the common ground and we're going to proceed in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, um,
0: I think there is this one, one thing that's been really helpful for me with building common ground is, is connecting things back to, big universal things that everybody really does want. And so here would be an example of that. like um, I don't know of any dad who doesn't want to be a good dad, right? So we can have different political views, we can have different spiritual views. We can have uh, we can be of different socioeconomic status and all but but if you are a dad, you probably want to be a good one. That's a great way to build some common ground, finding these big universal things great. that everybody does want and go, Okay, you may vote this way and I may vote that way, but we do want the same thing, right? We both want to be good dads. We both want to be good moms. We both want to be good um, employees. We both want financial security, right? Um, My guess is this, is that as you have more face-to-face conversations with people, you can find these universal things that we all really do want, and yes, there's a ton of division. Yes, there's a lot of polarity but I bet there's more commonality than we probably know. Right. And we could talk about this and listening. And we had some notes on here and we missed it of the social media and headlines. And I, you know, I want to be kind to those people because they're all probably have good intent. They're businesses, they're running businesses. Um, you know, those news organizations are trying to make money and they employ people and social media, they're trying to make money and they employ people. Those are businesses. They're doing their job many times, but, um, there is a difference between having a conversation with a real person than having a conversation with uh, with a tweet, you know, or something online. And uh, and talking is always better than typing. Right. And the more I talk to people, the the easier I find it to listen to disarm and to build common ground. I think one of the
1: positive outcomes from COVID that I'm seeing with with families and leaders and businesses is. The fear and insecurity drives us towards getting clear on our values, and I've, I've seen more people filter and make decisions about filtering out those, uh, either, yes. either the um, amount that they're consuming or the types of information they're consuming, just because they got on overload and they just their anxiety went through the, through the ceiling by listening and seeing too much. And so that's been part of what I've been doing when I've been coaching leaders, is to uh, be more discerning about what they're taking in, because ultimately they're going to turn around and and provide that to their employees. Yeah. And it may not, some of those may not be fair representations
0: of the way real people uh, are thinking and acting, you know, and, uh, or thinking and believing is probably a better way to say that. And so, so have your own conversations, do your own work, (laughs) right? (laughs) Have your own, do your own listening with your friends and the people uh, in your community and, and specifically in your organization or whatever it is that you're leading right now.
1: Yeah, I think an informed point of view is a balanced point of view. Yeah. And that that's what's going to right. you know generate inclusivity is by having a balanced point of view. Mm. That's right. Well,
2: and I just was thinking about that too. It strikes me the word that's coming to my mind is non-defensive. Mm. You know, if I could, if I think I could grow in one area that I would like to grow in is the ability to be really non-defensive about things, to be able to to receive criticism, to receive things from other people. And to, and that to me is going along with what we're saying is that we're not, I'm not so focused on me. I'm focused on the other person and what they're experiencing and what they're seeing, not so much how it's affecting me.
0: That's right. That's good. Okay, leaders. So how do you navigate polarities right now? Cause they're inevitable. The, the pandemic has brought this out. It is all over. People are different and we all have opinions. Now is the time for listening uh, for seeking ways to disarm and seeking ways to try to build common ground, I think those are three good. Those are helpful principles, Jeff, that I think any leader can apply, especially in this season right now.
1: Yeah, I think they're. I think they're intuitive when you really, you know, focus and allow yourself to recenter and and really, you know, set your intention on. And now how am I going to set an example and, you know, help my team or my employees navigate all this ambiguity? That's right.
0: So leaders, as you're driving around right now, your homework would be this. And when you uh, get out of your car, or you're done on your walk or working out, whatever it is, is just to sit down and write those three words down on a, on a sheet of paper and just ask yourself, which one do I need to do better at? So where where is the polarity in my life right now? Is it in my family? Is it in my neighborhood? Is it at my business, just on my team right now or in my organization? So where can I listen better? What are some ways that I can seek to disarm and and be more humble in my, my activities with others? And what can I do? How can I find some of these universal things that we all really do agree on? And how can I continue to build common ground? That's, that's good leadership, and that's what's needed uh, during this season right now. So that's your homework. Guys, it's been a fun conversation. Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Here's What I'm Seeing podcast. If you like today's episode, please rate and review the show. That'll help great people like you find us. And to learn more about the host of Here's What I'm Seeing, be sure to check out the show notes for links to our websites. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again next time.